At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you back with us once again on the HHC, as this week we are introducing you to the rookie class from the 2021 NBA draft here in Buzz City. Each and every Hornets draftee will have his own podcast starting with today, James Booknight, the number 11 overall pick, and he will be joining us here on the HHC, his maiden voyage on our podcast coming up in segment number two. But first, we want to talk about him as well as some general Hornets talking points with one of our favorites here, a two Sam's edition of the HHC, Sam Purley of Hornets.com. And Sam, uh, before we get started, we have to acknowledge the time of year, at least, that it is. We are in the uh, moratorium period prior to free agency. There is clearly going to be a lot of news about restricted and unrestricted free agents. And quite frankly, uh, we'll be excited to talk about it when we can talk about it. But for now, we'll focus on the rookies and give them their due because obviously an exciting week for them, regardless of what might be going on elsewhere in the league. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, well, thank you for having me. It's nice to be chatting when it's not 2.30 in the morning after the NBA draft or half awake in the podcast studio, so I'm a little livelier right now. But yeah, it's obviously a very busy time of year. It's just kind of moving very, very quickly. And like you said, you know, when the every, when the dust settles, we'll be there for it. But uh, yeah, obviously right now for the Hornets, it's, you know, the talk of the town is the rookie class and the guys they brought in last week, for sure. And James Booknight, when you're drafting in the lottery, you're always looking for a starting caliber player, a significant piece. And while you're looking for that, I think teams too often, especially in the range that the Hornets have found themselves in uh, outside of the LaMelo ball pick, you, you, you hope you're getting a starter. You don't always get it. And credit to Mitch Kupchak and his 
team in the front office that in Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, they did hit on starting caliber players. And because of the depth they built up, you don't necessarily need James Booknight to be a starter, but it feels like with the kind of polish he has and the numbers he put up at UConn, if push came to shove, if there was an injury, if there was a need, James Booknight could step in and fill that role. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I think people sometimes in general, you look at the NBA draft, you look at the lottery and you think, oh, we've got a lottery pick, we've got a top five pick, we're going to get a star. That's not always the case. You know, obviously you want to get a star. That's the ideal goal. It kind of looks like the Hornets are maybe well on that way with that third overall pick last year on the mellow ball. But reality is you ultimately, if you can hit on it and you get a guy that contribute and becomes a starter, you know, you think about how many guys are truly stars in the league, probably what 25 30 35 40 true stars in the league there's 400 guys so there's a lot of guys out there that aren't stars that are still important to teams important to winning kind of filling in the gap so yeah absolutely you know you look at the last two years obviously with a lamella ball but before that pj washington looks like he can be a starter in this league miles bridges although start of the year is not a starter playing like a starter and really took advantage of his starting opportunity this past year when gordon hayward went down so in reference to James Booknight, maybe not necessarily having an 82-game starter, but if you need him to come in for 10 games at a time because somebody's hurt, he certainly seems like a guy who's capable of doing that. So it's all about getting depth. It's all about getting talent. It's all about being in a position where if something happens and something goes wrong, which it always will, and you're always going to be an injury or an absence or something happened. Hopefully not, but generally that's the case that you're prepared. And you know these additions, particularly Booknight, is – obviously a good starting point for the team in that adding depth and talent area. And make no mistake about it, this guy is capable of being a 15 to 20 point per game score at some point in his career, or else he wouldn't have been slotted by many, if not most experts, as a top five or six pick. You know, those guys are not, well, we got to, you know, say it's Oklahoma City was drafting at six. He's one of the teams that was rumored to be looking at book night they ended up going with josh goody but if they had selected book night it wouldn't be well we've got a mid-tier shooting guard on our roster and now our work here is done at the number six pick no the the experts put him there because they think he has star potential and the hornets just look that much better getting him at 11 because he does have that star potential but for the here and now for right this moment You've got a guy who, again, if an injury happens, he can go into the starting lineup. But if he's one of the first guards off your bench behind LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier, you're feeling pretty good about that considering how proficient a scorer he has already proven himself to be at a very strong UConn program. Yeah, and I think it kind of just fits back into the trend that Nick has kind of reiterated over and over going into the draft is – just add talent. You have to add talent in the draft. The Hornets, as they stand right now, just aren't deep enough and aren't good enough. And I don't think I'm saying anything outlandish to be drafting for need. And once you start getting into drafting for need in the draft, you can start drafting guys that maybe start overdrafting guys or guys that necessarily wouldn't be there. But you don't go in and saying, oh, we got to take a center. We have to take a point guard at your spot. Now, I think there is a little bit of a balance with finding the best player available versus drafting for need. I think there's a little bit of a balance, a little bit, and you can kind of pick and choose in certain situations. But overall, this was obviously an adding the talent pick. This was the most talented player on the board. It was a position that they needed to address in terms of depth 
offensive scoring capabilities. So obviously it was the right pick and the Hornets got I think a pretty good break that a couple of things went a certain way in the top ten and book that ended up falling to eleven. Yeah, and in talking to Mitch Kupchak, by the way, if you haven't heard our conversation with Hornets general manager and president of basketball operations, Mitch Kupchak, highly suggest after you're done with this podcast, listen to that one. We just aired it yesterday. But in talking to him, Kai Jones, who was the pick at 19 after they traded back into the first round, he was certainly on the list to target potentially at 11. And while he didn't say who else was on his board, James Booknight being there essentially push Kai Jones off the card for certain at 11 because he was just too good of a talent to pass up and and the Hornets to their credit but some teams will find a way out of what their board originally told them the Hornets were were true to their board I don't know where Book Knight fell but again on some people's boards he was right after that first four or five player grouping as one of the best players, best talents in this draft. So uh, certainly someone we are excited to see here in Charlotte. His opening interview, the the term he kept going back to, box office. This is a guy who has uh, that kind of scoring punch, and he is excited to be here in Charlotte. We're going to let you hear from him next. James Booknight makes his Hornets Hivecast debut next here on the HHC. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Howie, welcome to the Hornets Hivecast for the first time, first round draft pick, James Booknight. James, welcome to Charlotte. How does it feel to be a Hornet? Oh, man, it's, it's super exciting. A lot of people tried to ask me how I was going to feel on draft night. It's not a feeling you can explain. It's really a surreal moment. It's, it was legendary for me. And the excitement, I can tell you, here in the building, because we were at the draft party last night when your name was announced, there was a lot of excitement from the fan base. They've got to like the thought of you playing with LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington. Have you allowed yourself to start to think how you fit in to that core that has already been assembled here? Oh, for sure, man. Um, All last night and all this morning, I've been saying, oh, we're going to be box office. We're going to be one of the most exciting teams in the league, for sure. Just with Melo's playmaking ability, his type of swag, and his creativity, and then my energy, and just having fun with the game, you know? We all just have a different type of, just like creativity. We like to have fun with it, you know? I feel like we're definitely going to be one of the most fun teams to watch in the league. Some of your backstory from Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York, lightly recruited early in high school, and then you tear your meniscus your junior year. And it took a while for you to really get the attention of some of those bigger schools because you were, again, lightly recruited, then injured. Finally, some guys start to pay attention to you as you get back on the circuit, Dan Hurley and UConn. What about your journey, your roots, make you the player and the person that you are today? Oh, man, throughout my journey, I've faced so much adversity. So many people telling me I wouldn't be here today. A lot of setbacks, not light setbacks either, major setbacks, things that really, really like take a toll on most people's career. Me being able to fight through those setbacks and that type of adversity, that that's made me who I am today, you know? Being able to fight through that and, and be tough and be strong and to still get here, I'm truly blessed. That injury part of your backstory, I don't want to call it a pattern, but your ability to bounce back from him and your willingness to, both the meniscus in high school and then you had another injury at UConn. And there's a lot of players who they think they're a lottery pick or a first-round pick, they get hurt, and they stop. You didn't. What about 
you and the person you are made you want to fight and come back and play out your year at UConn and then make a decision after that? Oh, man, I'm, I'm a hooper, you know. Growing up playing in the park, you can't back down from nothing. You know, I just like to go out there. I like to hoop. I like to have fun with it. And I feel like that's a big part of it. For me, it's, it's all about not forgetting where you, the reason why you started hooping in the first place, which is to have fun, you know. So for me, when I got injured, it was never a question when I was coming back. It was, it was a question about when. Just being the person I am, I couldn't lift, leave my teammates out there to dry. Uh, we had goals at the beginning of the season to make the tournament, and I wanted to come back, and I wanted to make those dreams, those dreams come true. I'm sure as the draft is going on, each pick, each team that's up on the clock, you're envisioning yourself with that jersey in that city, what your role might be. Mitch Kupchak, general manager of the Hornets, referenced your excitement here getting in the building in Charlotte. When it was Charlotte on the clock, there were a lot of teams that had interest in you and had you in for workouts. What was your feeling as you started to think about, okay, this could be the time, this could be the team. What was different about the Hornets as you started to go through that process and then it comes true? Oh, man. So the, the whole night was just surreal. Like, you know, just getting to the Barclays, walking the carpet, um, being in the green room, having family around, cameras everywhere, other top prospects. The whole night was surreal. When I seen the cameras come to the table and I knew Charlotte was on the clock, it was like, I was mad. I was happy. I didn't know what I was. You know what I'm saying? It was it was just a great moment uh, for me and my family to celebrate. My last one for you. You talked about all your workouts and how, in your mind, Charlotte was the best one. What about working out here maybe made it more comfortable for you to be at your best? And what about this organization are you most excited about based off that initial experience? Oh, no. When I when I first got here uh, for a workout, just for a workout, they wel- they welcomed me in with open arms. Everybody here is just so, so cool, just real people, you know. You go to some other places and it's like super business-like, like, come in, do this workout. All right, we might pick you, we might not. But here it was different. It was like everybody is so connected. Everybody here is like family. And I really love that about this organization. Well, you're part of the family now. James Booknight, welcome to Charlotte, and congratulations on being a first-round pick. Oh, man, I appreciate it. We'll have much more on James Booknight in just a moment as we roll along here on the Hornets Hivecast. Be sure to check out the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center, now open Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Check out all the newest Hornets gear or grab a new pair of J's. It's an easy trip on the light rail, or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 at HornetsFanShop.com. Sam Farber and Sam Purley back with you here on the HHC. We just got to hear from James Booknight, 11th overall pick in the 2021 draft. Sam Purley, I'll leave it to you. Your initial takeaways or maybe top line takeaways from hearing from Mr. Booknight. Two things really stood out to me. One, obviously, kind of being a New York guy. I think there's something to be said about, you know, the guards that come out of New York City and sort of that toughness, growing up playing on the playground, things like that. We obviously saw that in Charlotte with Kemba Walker. There's been a long list of guys that have kind of come up through that environment. I think there's something to be said about playing on the park, playing in all those very high stakes, AAU games, high school games. The scene there is very, very competitive, and I don't doubt that's really had an impact on James Booknight's early basketball career. And you talked or mentioned a lot about some of the adversity he's overcome, not being recruited heavily, at least initially in his college career, being hurt, and then dealing with the, uh, obviously, the sort of minor elbow injury at UConn. I don't doubt that his background and where he's come from has certainly played a role in sort of his personality, that quiet confidence coming into Charlotte. And then the other thing that stood out, and I think he mentioned this at the Friday press conference, is back when he had the workout in, and the Hornets really worked on making a connection with him. He said, 
other areas, other teams he went to was a little bit more business. Get the guy in, work him out. You know, maybe we'll call you on draft night, just kind of check the box and move on to the next prospect. And I think the Hornets did a really good job of when you bring these guys in. I don't doubt they did it with other guys, too. You bring these guys in, you get to know them, you go out to lunch, you go out to dinner, sit down, talk, you know, for an hour, two hours, get to know them as humans, really. Because this is, you're not just looking for a great basketball player, you're looking for someone that's going to fit your core personally off the court as well. So, I think the Hornets did a great job of kind of, um, you know, making James feel really wanted. And like you said, part of the family when he was here. And I think that's what led to his obvious excitement on draft night coming to join this team. No question about it. And I think it's not an act. It's just genuinely how this front office, this organization as a whole acts. That's who we are. And that's something that certainly resonates with these young players. My biggest takeaway, and it's something that we've seen from several other of the Hornets, is that Hooper mentality that James talked about, how he's just, he's not going to quit on his team. He knew going into last season, he had a chance to be a first round pick. He likely knew when he was injured after already posting a really good game against USC and Evan Mobley, that he had probably caught some attention, had an idea he was going to be a first round pick and could have just said, Hey, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm playing for a UConn team that's unlikely to win a national championship, I don't need to fight my way back. That's not who he is. And that's also an attitude we've seen throughout the Hornets team. It's an attitude we saw from Gordon Hayward. He was dealing with his injury all through the back third of the season. He was constantly out there working to get back. It was unfortunate he never made it back on the floor, but we've seen it throughout his career. The year prior in Boston, joined the Celtics in the bubble, even though, as he put it, he was still working his way back from injury. LaMelo Ball, same story last year, clearly hampered by the wrist fracture, didn't have to come back. It's not like the Hornets were considered a favorite to win an NBA title if LaMelo returned, but it meant something to him. And so that is a trend line with James Booknight that you really like to see putting the team above himself, that's something that you only find out if they've got it in them in those kinds of moments, and James Booknight showed he had it. Yeah, that stuff is, like you mentioned, is really, really important, and I don't necessarily know how you quantify it a little bit, but I mean, we've seen more times than not guys in that situation that are dealing with an injury, and we should be fair, this is not, you know, not a major career-altering injury or anything, but I think he missed somewhere in the neighborhood of eight games or anything. And overall, also a very weird season with Connecticut, you know, with the NCA, with the COVID protocols, the isolation, the lack of fans. I mean, it would have been so easy for a guy that's a projected top 10 pick to just shut it down, see you in the combine, see you in the draft workouts, things like that. But I think it really speaks to his character. I think it speaks to his commitment to the team. And I think he came back and ended up, I think UConn actually ended up going to the NCAA tournament this year. So They did. Um, and we've seen, you know, to that point, players in the past just call it a season early. I'm going to the draft. And and I understand why. I'm not blaming them for that decision. But there is something to be said for someone like James Booknight going the other way, saying, I made a commitment to this team and I'm going to do everything I can to produce for this team, whether or not we are considered favorites to win a title or not. Yeah, and I wouldn't fault any guy making whatever decision you want to do what's best for you, your career. But overall, I think it says something that coming back, obviously UConn was not in sort of the national championship conversation. He knew he was going to the NBA, but to come back, be there for his team at the end, I mean, he's going to, I think his UConn teammates will remember that. I think the program will remember that. As a guy that kind of finished what he started last season, obviously had an opportunity to go to the NBA and took advantage of it. I think, I think it says something about his character, and it's obviously 
indicative of, I think, the human being that one is forgetting in James Booknight, for sure. We love the character. We love the confidence. He's used the term box office a lot. He, he definitely believes in what he and Kai Jones and the rest of this rookie class can bring to Buzz City. Even love his ability to coin a nickname, Mitch Kupchak, now general manager, president of basketball operations, and the dude. In terms of things we want to see moving forward from James Booknight, you watch a lot of his highlights, and a lot of it is him making a defensive play and going on a fast break. Him getting an outlet pass on a rebound and trying to drive through and succeeding in driving through the defense, or dribbling the basketball for a while and then having to make a play as the primary player. Things you don't see as much, but they are there on the tape. Quick decisions, you know, taking a pass in the corner and immediately letting the the jump shot go. It's there, but he just didn't do it as much. Getting a pass and quickly one dribble take off and head into the paint. It's not there as much because it wasn't so much his role, but it is there. I think that's what we want to see more because the honest truth is LaMelo Ball is the point guard for the present and the future for the Hornets. While you like to see some of that playmaking ability, that's not his primary role. His best days are going to be playing off the ball, and we saw some of it. We just want to see more of it now as he comes over to the NBA. Yeah, I think that'll be really interesting, especially going into summer league, seeing how he can operate not having the ball in his hands all the time. And it's a little bit of adjustment for guys in his position. He's not the only rookie in his class that's going to be dealing with this, maybe not so much in summer league, but definitely more towards the regular season and finding ways to contribute and impact the game and influence the game when maybe you don't have the ball as much or have as high a usage rate. And when you do have the ball, what can you do in terms of facilitating? I think this was a big adjustment, obviously at different points of their career, but Terry Rogier made this big adjustment last year, two years ago, when he came kind of down as the point guard and then sort of took on a more off-ball role when Devontae Graham had his breakout season. So it's an interesting. I think you'll see a little bit of it in summer league and maybe a little bit more towards training camp and the start of the regular season. But, you know, he's obviously extremely talented. He can really, really score. I mean, he's got a lot of skill sets, I think, that maybe weren't necessarily utilized mentioned the rebounding, pushing the pace, and defensively too. So I think he's only scratching the surface of what he can be as a basketball player. And now that he's you know reached the highest level, I think the Hornets are going to do a really good job of kind of unlocking him and getting the most of, his, of the package of James Booknight. And one thing in regards to Summer League, Sam, as we prepare for next week when we'll see all the rookies for the first time on the floor, maybe get a test of seeing him or a taste of seeing him off the ball a little bit. Grant Riller, who was a second-round pick a season ago, didn't have a ton of of opportunities, but you know he kind of played a point guard role. It'll be interesting to see what role James Book Knight takes on because the summer league, just like the G League, it's all about development. So even though James Book Knight is accustomed to having the ball in his hands all the time and can certainly do that, the Hornets might want to say, "Hey, we want to see what you do without that role. Take passes, quick decisions, take the shot, make the drive, but you're not the one who's responsible for bringing it up the floor. There are other options that will be on that summer league roster. So it'll it'll be interesting to see." what role they and what responsibilities the team and the coaching staff gives to James Booknight. I think the summer league is a really good opportunity for experimentation and kind of getting particularly the rookies and you can even factor in last year's rookie class who didn't play as much as getting their feet wet in some real live game action. Please, if you're listening, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be sloppy play. There's going to be some 
losses. That doesn't mean anything for the regular season. All you want to do is kind of see the guys, get reps, play well, start picking up the concepts, maybe get better as the summer league goes on after they go from game one to game five. And really just want to see kind of progression and guys picking things up. You know, there's, there's a lot of experimentation. There's going to be, like I said, at times sloppy, mistake prone, but it's all part of the process. So I think it's a great opportunity for James, a great opportunity for Grant Riller as well, as you mentioned. And, you know, a lot of these young Hornets guys to kind of get their feet wet a little bit more after not doing so as much last year and get going in Vegas. So it should be really, really exciting. I'm, I'm curious to see just how everything is going to lay out, play out. It's like been a while since we've had some live basketball, so it's been really cool. We will be talking about the Summer League roster later on this week. Uh, one thing to kind of piggyback on something you said. Honestly, it's not like the Hornets have four rookies going there. It's it's almost like they have seven or eight, because I think you could, even though Vernon Carey got a little bit of run last year, Nick Richards similarly, Grant Riller, Nate Darling, they really didn't. And they certainly didn't have a normal offseason. So this opportunity to develop in a summer league setting with a more normal offseason, it'll really be valuable. So, I mean, LaMelo Ball, he took off like a rocket day one. We're thrilled to see his continued development but the other rookies and first year players this really is their rookie so to speak offseason you know i think those guys vernon nick nate and grant did the best they could last year and they did get an opportunity to go to the uh, the g league bubble in orlando and show what they could do but that was such kind of a different environment and a lot of the guys are sort of the feel i got from there it was kind of like an aau feel to it less of a true professional experience, but you know, they, I think they did what they could kind of being around the team this year. You know, Vernon, like you said, probably got the most meaningful playing time towards the end of the year as, a, as you know, JB tried to kind of jumpstart that center spot. But yeah, it should be really exciting. I'm excited to see, you know, what last year's rookie class can do, what this year's rookie class can do. And, you know, right now, like you said, you're looking at probably eight or nine guys that are rookie or first-year players. So it should be a, a pretty strong team. And like I said, I be interesting to watch for sure. We will talk more about the Summer League roster later on in this week. Tomorrow, we're talking to Kai Jones. So Kai Jones' podcast drops tomorrow. Our thanks again to James Booknight for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed hearing from him. And in case you didn't hear it already, Monday, we released the conversation we had with Hornets General Manager Mitch Kupchak. So you can hear his thoughts, those of the General Manager and President of Basketball Operations for the Hornets, on this 2021 draft and what potentially could be coming up from these prospects in the near-term future and long-term future as well. Sam Perley, thanks as always for joining us here today on the Hornets Hivecast. Yes, thanks for having me. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. We will talk to you tomorrow as we let you hear directly from the other Hornets first-round pick, Kai Jones. That's coming up tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.